This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, September 9th, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton alongside a guy who also has BYU in his number one or at the number one position in his FBS rankings, Jerem Jordan. Well, I put out the FBS Western Power Rankings. BYU is certainly number one. But uh, Garland Gillen, who's an AP voter who works at Fox 8 in New Orleans, put out his top ten among teams who have played. Again, 14 teams have, have played. Let's not, let's not overblow this. Or should we? 14 FBS uh, teams. BYU, number one in his ranking. So the Cougars, for the first time since 1984, are number one in someone's ranking. Hallelujah. This means nothing. Uh, but it's fun, right? Uh, BYU is the number one total defense right now. Tyler Algiero is the most rushing guards in the country. Da, 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 da. This is exciting. Uh, BYU is 1-0. That's the most important one. The other ones are just kind of fluff. But BYU, number one in someone's poll. What? You can only go with uh, what has been played and what has happened. So as far as uh, the 14 teams that have played, things 14. are pretty good. 14. Hey, I've got your top five elements in today's show lineup. It begins with one of the top offensive linemen in the entire country, and that's not hyperbole. Junior Brady Christensen will join us to explain why the run-violent offense worked so well against Navy. Plus, who was the big individual winner for BYU against the midshipmen? We go deep blue with the receiver who's currently BYU's second leading rusher in yards per carry, Dax Milne. And how do you feel about a 353-team NCAA Men's Basketball Championship Tournament? Madness wouldn't even begin to describe it. Here are your Wednesday BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU announces plans to allow 6,000 fans into Lavelle Edwards Stadium for the home opener versus Troy on September 26th. 1,500 people will be allowed into each of the four sections of the stadium. Here's Kalani Sitake on the decision. I'm excited that we get to have fans there, and you know we love having our fans around, so um, it's a good start. I would take as many as we can get, and so if it's 6,000, I know they'll, they'll make noise for 60. Full details are on BYUCougars.com. Good luck getting into the game. This is for the Troy game only which appears to mean BYU and the state of Utah could make adjustments for other games potentially. That could be fewer fans. That could be more. We'll see. I like this approach. I think uh, approach. I think it's conservative. And so, yeah, I think I'm, I'm leaning more towards the hopeful that there will be more fans. But why not try it out with a select group, a smaller number, see how it works, and then go back to the government in Utah and say, hey, we did this effectively with 6,000. We think we can do it with 12,000 or whatever. BYU football currently has the third highest percentage in FBS to win out as in win the remainder of their games, according to ESPN's Football Power Index. Oh, blue goggles over there, please. Here you are, my friend. Yeah. The FPI gives BYU a 21.1% chance of running the table. Only Clemson at 49.5%. And Air Force, which only plays two two games. games. Get out of here, come on. 35.6% chance for... The Air Force Academy, but that doesn't really cancel. Really, it should be BYU number two in that. By the way, I, uh, someone tweeted at me, is Texas Tech not West? No. No, they're, they're not. 
except if you're Lewis and Clark. They're in Texas, and they're in the Central Time Zone. Zach Wilson is one of eight Manning Ward Stars of the Week after his 13 of 18, 232-yard, two-touchdown performance against Navy. Not bad. Speaking of awards, Athlon Sports revealed their awards for players, coaches, and teams of the week. Not surprisingly, BYU prominently featured among the limited teams to have actually played a game. The Cougars win Team of the Week after the largest margin of victory in the Kalani Satake era. Jeff Grimes wins Offensive Coordinator of the Week from Athlon, 55 points, 580 total yards. And Isaiah Kafusi, the Defensive Player of the Week, five tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and a forced fumble. Have a day, Isaiah. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. 21.1% chance at a 2020 quest for perfection. Okay. Jerem, will BYU football run the table and win the remaining seven games on the 2020 football schedule? (sighs) Okay, let's talk about it. Who's BYU going to lose to? Who's BYU going to lose to? We don't know. We don't know. Uh, Army seems like it's going to be more of a challenge than Navy, question mark. Houston, we think, will be improved. Western Kentucky won nine games last year. Those are all winnable games. The only game I see BYU maybe being an underdog in or a toss-up scenario is at Houston now because BYU is at Houston and not playing the other Cougars in Provo. Yeah, we'll we'll see uh, with uh, the line, and, and they play, what, two, I think, games, maybe three before. Um, this is interesting. Anything, I- any loss in those games would be disappointing now, given what BYU did. I hope that's not the peak performance of the season, but let's be honest, it probably will be. That was incredible. There was It was almost perfect. You brought up a stat that we're going to bring up right now for stat of the day that has me concerned. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Jerem. Vince, 2017, BYU's 12-12 versus group of five in independence. Okay? 500. That's an issue. It was 11-12. Now it's 12-12 after the Navy win. I can't ignore that stat. I can't go, you know what? This is a different BYU team, and it's not going to happen. Why? Um, I, I still think there's a potential loss in the schedule. To run the table would be awesome. And let's be honest. BYU can do it. Um, There's a 21% chance of doing it. Uh, And here's why it's more realistic than normal. There are no Power Fives on the schedule. BYU's not playing 12 games or 13. So only eight would do, right? Um, Only eight and no Power Fives and one of the three toughest games off the board already, and it wasn't tough. In fact, it was unbelievably easy (laughs) against Navy. So here we go. I, I would love for it to happen. But the 12 and 12 thing makes me concerned. Do you want a Power 5 team that maybe sneaks onto the schedule because of a cancellation later in the season and BYU has flexibility? Like, I wonder if BYU fans, when they talk about, oh, the chance to win all eight games and go perfect, do you want a Power 5 team? Or do you even want the likes of a UCF, which has been floated out there heavily on social media with, UCF's Barstool account. Let's make it happen. Is Barstool is the source of news. What? Yeah. It, do, 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 you, do you want do, that? Do you want a, a uh, somewhat meaningless 8-0? Or do you want a more meaningful 9 or 10-0? Well, it's, it, because, it's hard to call it meaningless because we don't know how all of these other teams will actually be. Like, what well, if Houston loses one game? Then, let, 
Then is it meaningless? Let me explain myself. Okay. Uh, and Houston will lose more than one game, I bet. Um, it, it's that, look, BYU doesn't have enough tough teams on the schedule to really validate it. BYU is going to look more like Hawaii in 07, where it's like you didn't play anybody, but you won every game. Um, than they will otherwise. So I, I would love a UCF or a Cincy or a, a middle-of-the-road Power 5 added to this. That'd be great. I'm not ready to go all in on BYU being perfect through the eight games that are on the schedule right now, but I'm leaning that direction. That is for sure. I look at every opponent that BYU has remaining in 2020 and think, yes, if BYU does what I think they're capable of doing, with the offensive line and the run game and the discipline and the experience, then yes, they should be favored and they should be expected to win all of those games. Expected's different than reality. Exactly. Right? Expected is different than BYU reality. BYU was expected to beat Toledo and South Florida, right? The ball takes funny bounces. Sometimes players make uh, decisions that don't really fall typically within what they usually do. And I mean, not all mistakes are created equal in terms of the rip, the repercussions that come from those. You know, not all turnovers are created equally. Sometimes it decides a game. Football's funny. The best team does not always win the game. Clearly, um, I thought that was soccer. No, the best team does not always win the game in football. And so I'm still kind of on seven and one, but I'm I'm getting there, Jeremy. If BYU dominates Army. The way that the, they dominated Navy, if, if they oh, if that happens, I mean, if they then win, we're going to start if they talking. They win in West Point if by double do, figures. If, for crying out if loud, if you do, if you yeah, BYU's not going to beat Army by fifty-two, but if if they won by twenty-one plus or like three plus scores, it's like okay, BYU's got something. Remember, Army went five and eight last year. They looked really good against Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee they, is terrible. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're that good. And like Navy looked awful too. I, I really want that win to have more meaning. But he, here's why it has meaning: no matter what Navy does, BYU won by fifty-two. That there's no doubt. No doubt was left in that. If Navy doesn't win a single game all year, I'll still go. Hey, they won by fifty-two. Like they dominated, and that's what great teams from the past did. But guess what? BYU fans, I'm going to tell you this right now. If BYU blows out Army, I'm going to tell you this right now. Do not expect BYU to blow everybody out. Even the good teams, I dare say great teams, have close games. Look at Clemson, Alabama. They still play a couple of close games here. 84 undefeated. BYU played several close games at Hawaii, Michigan. There were a couple others in league where you go, what? If you're, so, if you're the number one team, shouldn't you win by 30 every game? That's not how it works. You just need to win every game. Let's see where BYU goes with this. This is exciting. Okay, topic two. We now know there will be 6,000 fans in the stands versus Troy on September 26th. What do you think of that number? I like it. I think this is the right start for BYU as an institution. Uh, And I said it earlier, be conservative. Start with a lower number. Bring back good results. Then go to the state government and say, this is how we did this. This is how it worked. This is the feedback we received. We feel like we can do more. And so if I'm BYU, I'm thinking, let's try and double this or add at least 3,000 more fans by game number two and get all the way up to, I don't know, 6,000 fans in each of the stands, that's right? What, that's what BYU wanted originally. Let's get up to 24,000 total, but this is the right approach going at it with a small number just so that they can really dive into the details of how they're going to do it, how fans that were in the game felt about it, and then they have hard information to take back to the officials that can rise or raise that number and uh, can make more things happen for the fans and, and say, look, this, we did this. It was successful. Everybody wore masks or everybody didn't wear masks, so maybe we're going to keep it at 6,000. Like, 
if people follow protocols and this goes successfully, there will be more than 6,000 fans moving forward in the remainder of the home games. Yeah, BYU can decide, uh, you know, how much they want to, like, submit to the state, and then the state can approve or disapprove. Uh, BYU originally wanted more, um, and then, uh, you know, here we are at 6,000. I wish it was more, frankly. I, I agree with you. Like, it, it's nice to be like, all right, let's start low and then build. I was hoping for more. It's a big stadium. You can socially distance just fine. You're going to enter one section and exit one section. You can't cross from north to east and so on and so forth. You just have to stay there. Food will be brought to you, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I was hoping for a little more. Um, I know a lot of fans are excited about uh, this team. I know we're in a pandemic. Uh, if people wear masks and they uh, can distance out, uh, I don't see why BYU couldn't have had more, whether that was BYU's decisions or the state of Utah. BYU did downgrade from, what, orange to yellow recently. So I expected BYU to have more than this. Uh, 24 felt like that would have been uh, pretty aggressive, but maybe 10 or 15, uh, hopefully, on the next one. Yeah, and and we all want more fans. I just think this is very much a political play. This is BYU saying, okay, we're going to... And I don't know how much of this was the state of Utah telling BYU. We're going to do this ultra-conservatively and really be able to manage not a huge number. It's easier to manage a smaller number in terms of getting feedback and details. Right. Ask every West Coast Conference team not yes. in Gonzaga. It's, easy, it's easier yeah. to manage the numbers. Take take a small step and then take the big step. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and, again, some of this isn't dictated by BYU. It's the state of Utah saying this is what we're going to allow. And uh, perhaps BYU said, you know what, we, we want fewer fans, too. I, it's, it's hard to know exactly. But 6,000 on, on the Troy game, again, this isn't all year. This is the Troy game They'll only. be loud. The 6,000 will be loud. Yeah, and you're going to hear weird Uncle Dave say things, you know, that you couldn't hear before. It was, it was you went to the game. It was kind of weird, right, the, to have no fans. But uh, the BYU sideline brought some juice. Kairos Tonga uh, said to Reese Davis recently he was afraid – of what uh, you know, the BYU fans might hear in terms of language. That didn't come out, which was pretty good. There were some other things, but, yeah, that didn't come out. That's great. They were really loud. <laughs> and in an empty stadium like that, just the way that they're set up, the, the Bulls, the Bulls uh, stadium seating, it reverberates. Like it's a fun dynamic, and so I know Kirk Herbstreit said, "I'm getting a kick out of this. This is hilarious. Yeah. They're louder and, than I thought they would." And Navy be. did not make any noise for obvious reasons. Oh man! On and literally and figuratively. Yes, BYU had a number of crowd silencers in that game. They made some noise. <laughs> Our question of the day. Following that huge win over Navy, do you believe BYU football will run the table? Here we go. Why or why not? Let's go Here to Voice go. of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At TX Colonel answers on Twitter, no. Because every time <laughs> we get over-optimistic... BYU loses to an inferior team. Let's stay desperate and temper the expectations. Well, let's reverse flow then. Uh, you know what? BYU's going to lose the next seven games. It's not going to go. <laughs> I see six and two at a minimum. Seven and one probably feels more realistic now, given what we just see, saw. My, my minimum has moved up I, seven and one. And let's, we said this yesterday. If BYU had lost 55 to three, we would not freak out. We would go, well, we'd freak out initially. But we'd say, well, it was one game. Let's see. We should say that with one game positively, too. Go, what? It was one game. Careful. <laughs> we, like, why would we Ooh. drink the poison, as Eric Mateo says about hype, on a win but not a loss? 
Careful there. Oh, I, I think there would be significant freak out if BYU had lost by 52 based yeah. on what they brought back. Well, and... <laughs> not, no, let's be honest. We're freaking out, um, you know, in a positive way. Like, the, two days later, we're saying, will BYU run the table? We're freaking out in a positive way. I left out an important facet of why my expectations are rising, and I'll get to that later. I, uh, I just thought of this, and it's a huge factor into just it, – it's now, again, pushing me even further towards BYU going – Eight no on this. Just remember this conversation later. Yeah. Like we we shouldn't over uh, value one thing negatively or positively. Let's go. Coming up, did BYU basketball just make the NCAA tournament for next season already? <laughs> Plus, BYU offensive lineman and future NFL hopeful Brady Christensen joins us. How does BYU avoid the all too common letdown after a dominant performance against Navy? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU football with Kalani Satake is on demand right now on the BYU TV app, where it's coming up right after us, 1 Eastern on BYU TV. Lopini Kutoa was the guest. Jack Milne Deep Blue, which we'll, you'll see later in this program. And a Cougar Q&A on Jersey Accessible. We are live right now in Studio B, and this is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton. That is Jerem Jordan. It is our pleasure to welcome in BYU junior offensive lineman Brady Christensen via the Deseret First Credit Union hotline on Zoom now. Brady, great to have you on BYU Sports Nation. First and foremost, congratulations again on a statement victory at Navy to open up the 2020 campaign. Yeah, awesome, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to be here. So at one point, your offensive line coach, Eric Mateos, made his way over into the press box area where I was sitting and uh, made sure I could hear that uh, he, he did not want his offensive lineman drinking the poison. And he didn't want me putting out poison on uh, the social media uh, sphere. So at this point, how do you avoid drinking the poison and follow what your offensive line coach, Eric Mateos, says? Yeah, uh, obviously we had a good game, but after watching – film personally the last couple of days uh there's still things to work on um especially technical side uh, i think we played physical and we we played stuff but there's a lot of technique stuff that we can improve on so it's always just about getting better if you're not getting better you're getting worse and so we know that we were in there yesterday getting a little lift on just uh motivated just to be the best we could be brady it wasn't a good game it was a great game you guys dominated bro that was almost perfect what was it like to perform so well in game one right out of the gates on that kind of stage on Monday Night Football? It was just awesome because usually you get like one O-lineman who plays really good in a game. I think we all just played really, really good um, from left to right. Clark had an unbelievable game. Tristan Hodge, Chandon James. I mean, just everyone played so sound and so physical. It's just really fun to see it all come together and all five of us play together and in sync. All right, Brady. So how do you avoid the emotional letdown that so often happens to teams after such a great performance like that? What is the key to maintaining that consistency and that level of execution? Yeah, I think uh, like Coach Grimes always says, we're going to go watch the film today, um, go fix, fix the corrections and stuff. But after today, uh, we just got to move on. We got to forget about the last game and then just get to work and go focus on the Army and um, have a good game plan for them and just uh, focus on them. And we can't really – we got to forget about the last game and just go to the next. I don't want to forget, though, Brady. I want to keep talking about it. Uh, pro, pro Football Focus 
had four of the five linemen in its top four of the total offensive grades for BYU. He got a 91-1. That was excellent. Clark Barrington, like you said, got a 95. Tristan Hodge, 94-9. James Empey, 92-1. Shannon Herring got a 71-6. I don't know what, why they had that, but you got a 91-9. How did you feel about your individual performance at left tackle? Yeah, it was. Uh, I've been I've been focused a lot on the run game this off season, um, especially on the wide zone. I, I didn't play as good as I wanted to on the wide zone aspect of it, especially on the front side. Um, so there's definitely improvement to do there. Um, I need to go back and uh, really work on it. But as far as pass protection, I felt like I played really good, and then backside too. I, I felt like I had a good physical game, and that's what I really want to focus on: just the physicality and toughness of my game. I felt like I did take a step forward. What do you mean by wide zone? Uh, it's just our, it's our go-to. It's our bread and butter, just a classic wide zone play. Um, that's what, it's what, who we are. And uh, um, yeah, it's what we run. BYU junior offensive lineman, Brady Christensen with us on BYU sports nation. Brady, what do you know about army at this point? Because you just told us, okay, we, we looked at the tape. We looked at the film of the Navy game, and now we're turning the page to Army. What, what do you know about the Black Knights and uh, opponent number two? Um, I don't know a bunch of, about them yet. I know they're going to be tough and physical, uh, just like Navy. Like They're, they're going to be tough guys. I mean, they have a very structured schedule. It's very um, demanding to go there. And so we know they're going to be tough and physical. And so we got to bring our A game in that aspect to be able to have a good game again. Yeah, Army certainly uh, impressed against Middle Tennessee State. We're looking forward to uh, that matchup. Not this week, but next week. You have a bye week. Uh, but tell us about the trip home because you guys play this late uh, East Coast game. The game ends around 11.15 or so local time there. What time did you get home? And you had to go to Salt Lake and then bust down to Provo, right? Right, so right after the game, we figured out we couldn't uh, fly into Provo because of the smoke and the wind and everything else. So we figured out we had to go to Salt Lake, and everyone was like, you know what, more time with the boys. And so that was kind of our <laughs> attitude. Uh, uh, we, slept, we slept a lot, obviously, on the plane. We celebrated for a little while um, in the locker room, but we were all just exhausted. So most of us slept on the plane ride, and then the bus ride, uh, it felt long. Just in Salt Lake to Provo felt like forever just because we it was 5 a.m. We ended up getting home about 6 a.m. Um, so it, it was a, it was a long night, but I slept in until like 10 or 11. So it was good. And, and then do you have class on Tuesdays that you had to go to virtually or in person? And you said you lifted. Yeah. So to be honest, I had class at eight. I set my alarm at seven fifty. <laughs> I went straight to stop and I fell back asleep. I missed class to be honest. Cause I just, <laughs> you, I you earned it. <laughs> secret. <laughs> it's a secret. Don't it's tell just anyone. us. It's just us. We're good. <laughs> just, just us three. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll allow the absence this time. Um, Brady, the celebrations you, you mentioned in the locker room, you had fun and uh, we're hooping and hollering in there and Eli Satuiaki's dancing, but I enjoyed the celebrations on the sideline during the game. And honestly, from where I was in the press box, it was louder than I thought it was going to be. I, I could hear you distinctly all the way up in the press box. What was that atmosphere like on the sideline during the game against Navy? Yeah, it was, it, it was awesome. I was actually like, I was wondering how it was going to be without fans. You know, I was like, what, what the heck is it going to be like? But it, was, it almost felt normal, and we were all just pumped to be out there playing again. Uh, there's so many teams that aren't playing, so we were just excited to be out there. And you could tell we were excited before the game, during the game, every touchdown. I mean, we were just celebrating, having a fun time with the boys, and just just having a great time. So it was, it was an awesome experience to, to be there. 
We thought this offensive line would be good. We, we've been drinking the poison. You have not. Uh, but Tyler Algier and Lopini Katoa, I mean, those were exceptional performances. Jackson, Jackson McChesney was quality as well. What was it like for those guys to, uh, or for you to watch them excel so much behind good blocking? Oh, it, it was amazing. They ran so physical. They finished every run. We always talk about falling forward, falling forward, um, and everything that we do just be dominant. And to watch them run like they did was, it was awesome. I, I mean, I knew they were going to do that, um, but it was just so fun to be able to block for them. And that's what we were telling Harvey. Like, it's just it's an honor to block for these guys because they just ran so hard. It almost makes our job easier and fun just to see that happen. Brady, I said this during the post game, but I don't think it can be understated how important it has been for BYU football to be together essentially since June 13th with player-run practices and then the six-week grind of training camp. What kind of an advantage did that grant to you against a team like Navy where the emphasis after the game was placed all on, well, we didn't have contract drills and, and we weren't physical enough. So how much of an advantage was that for BYU? Yeah, that was huge. I mean, I'm just grateful for um, the administration and our staff for letting us practice and uh, be able to work out together and have PRPs together. It's been huge for us uh, just to keep the momentum going. It's all about um, momentum, really, in this game. And just to be able to have those couple months where we could be together and just to get better and experience the speed of the game, it, it was huge for us, definitely. It's an eight-game schedule. You're 1-0. and There's no Power Fives on it. There's some quality group of fives scattered in there. You have a couple bye weeks here. What kind of opportunities does BYU football have to make a splash this season in this situation? Yeah, I think I'm just grateful. Like I said, we have eight games. A lot of teams out west, every team out west, they don't have any. So we're just glad to be here. And I think if we could just take it one game at a time, I think we can do something really special. Um Obviously, you might think about what ifs, but we're not focused on that. We're just focused on our eight, seven more games that we have in front of us and see what we can go do, see what we can do each week and just get better each week. So we're really excited. Yes, the one game approach uh, is, you know, the typical answer. That you we, get, we, uh... we take it two games at a time here, Brady. Just so you know, we're, uh, we're looking at Army and Troy right now. So you know. Fair enough. You guys are allowed to do that. Sure, you know? sure. And, and we will continue to do that. Don't worry about that. Um, but with the seven games remaining, and I know you're focused on Army, but with how you performed against Navy and uh, with what you've been doing together since June 13th and through camp, is there an opponent on the schedule that you uh, don't feel like BYU could beat? Uh, I mean, we have, we're playing confident. You, you have to believe you can beat anyone, so we believe we can beat anyone on our schedule. It doesn't matter who, when, or where. We're going to show up, and we're going to believe that we can win, definitely. I wanted to ask you about Zach Wilson. So uh, Gunnar Romney has a couple of drops early. Zach is technically one for four. Neil stumbles the pick. But then he ends up going 13 of 18, 232 yards, two touchdowns, and uh, 206 pass efficiency rating. Tell us what you saw from Zach in this game as, as perhaps freshman Zach maybe struggles to come out of that. Who knows, right? But junior Zach Wilson, what kind of maturation have you seen in him and did you see in that game? Yeah, honestly, it's what we've seen all fall camp um, and all offseason, really. There's no one that works harder than Zach and spends more time in football. Um, so it was just no surprise. He just did what he did. He did what he does. Um, and it's, it was awesome to see. I, I love that kid. And it's fun to block for him and fun to see him be able to make plays. I know he gets a lot of scrutiny, but 
the guy's a stud, and I'd go to war for him. How is he different from when he came in the game against Utah State in 2018 as the starter? Or, sorry, uh, Hawaii. I just think his uh, overall demeanor and confidence um, is a ton better. And just the way he controls the offense, he just really demands the respect out of all of us. We all respect him um, throughout, across the board. And so it's, uh, it's been awesome to see his growth. How are you different, Brady, in your junior season compared to your freshman season? Where have you improved and matured the most? Yeah, so when I was a freshman, I remember going into that Wisconsin game. We had three freshmen, me, Nanu, and James on the left side. We were just, we didn't know what we were doing. We were just like, well, here we go. Here goes nothing. <laughs> and so, so it's, uh, it's fun to see the growth because now, like, we're an experienced group. We go in. And we're just more confident. We have more knowledge of the game. And it's just, it seems to slow down a little bit. Back then, when you're a wide eyed freshman, man, the game was just fast and you're just trying your best. But it was just a lot different. Hey, rest up, man. Uh, well earned bye week. And uh, believe it or not, eight or nine days from now, you're headed back to the East Coast to do it all again. So uh, get that rest, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Can't wait. Thanks, guys. You got it. Brady Christensen via the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I I really think that BYU was used to playing a big game in the opener. And this was a big game, and they were ready to go for it. Um, And I maybe wasn't for the reasons they stated. Oh, we didn't tackle, we didn't contact. But also, they're not playing a big-time opponent in game one a lot like BYU is. In fact, most teams in the country don't play a big game in week one. They're playing kind of an easier game to kind of ease into this. BYU is the team that rolls into the weight room, throws on the max, and tries to see how many reps they can do right away. And I've been critical of this approach, but in this case where all of a sudden you're not playing uh, you know, th- this tougher game at Utah and you have Navy, I think BYU was way more ready to go because they've been through these kind of situations in season openers. So the tough scheduling was a benefit in this case. So many things are benefiting BYU right now, and we just talked about a few of them. I mean, the, going back to June, the administration, and I'm glad he brought it up, the credit to the administration and Tom Homo for saying, hey, we can, we can figure we can this, this out. We'll we can, we can yeah. figure it out. And even if some people get sick, we'll work through it. We'll figure it out. And they did it. And they did it. And there were no impactful COVID-19 scenarios for the Navy game, which yeah. is fantastic. And hopefully that stays the same. Hopefully that stays the same. Coming up, Deep Blue looks at Dex Milne's mother and their relationship as she defeated cancer. And does BYU football really belong in the undefeated conversation? This is BYU Sports Nation. Ah! Watch the women's soccer blue and white scrimmage this Saturday, 9 Eastern, on the BYU TV app. Despite the season being canceled, the Cougars will scrimmage. You can watch it Saturday evening. Jerem Jordan and Spencer Linton in Studio B. This is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Ramp presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. According to ESPN's Football Power Index, Clemson has the highest probability to go undefeated this season, 49.5%, and then Brigham at 21%. Do you agree with BYU being second on the list? Absolutely, I agree with this, Jerem. And uh, I told you I would give you the reasoning, the additional reasoning. Here it is. BYU in the bubble, traveling in the bubble, is a beneficial thing for this team. They can't go anywhere else. They can't do anything else. It is all about football. So when they say business trip, 
That is more meaningful than it's ever been in the history of BYU football. They are locked into the bubble, and it is manifesting itself. It will continue to do so on the field. And that's on the trip only. It's not like they're not going anywhere at home, but I would hope other teams would do that too. Uh, UCF, 20%. Alabama, 18%. The combined record of the next six opponents, by the way, not North Alabama, 30 and 44 from last year. So these are all winnable games. All right, Jerem, Zach Wilson, the BYU junior quarterback, named one of eight Manning Award stars of the week after a 13 for 18, 232 yard, two touchdown passing performance. Is this the type of performance you expect from Zach Wilson every game this season? No. Uh, his rating was 206. That's the fourth time he's gone 200-plus in his career, which is awesome. Um, in terms of efficiency, I hope so. If BYU can run the ball effectively, they won't run for 300 yards every game. Come on. Uh, but if they can run 175-plus, then Zach won't have to do as much. I expect Zach to be close to or as efficient. You used the word that I was looking for here. I, I do expect him to be an efficient quarterback all year. I expect him to run a little bit more, Jerem. He didn't really have to because Two for seven. Algier and Katoa did all that. But Zach Wilson's feet are still a weapon. I think that there are some things in the playbook that will emphasize Zach Wilson's ability with his feet. So, uh, yeah, I expect more from him in the run game moving forward. Yeah, he might not have to run. We'll see. Lapina Katoa, fifth nationally among the 14 teams who played in yards after contact, 5.8, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, Tyler Algier, 4.5. Is this sustainable? <laughs> I don't think that BYU is far off from a sustainable number. I really don't because of the level of competition. BYU and their offensive line, if they can do that to Navy, and I know Navy went through no contact drills and armies played. B- Navy a continued game. to go through no contact drills in the game. Right? Why was there no adjustment? Why why were they not adjusting or managing it better at all? It didn't seem like they ever figured it out. If BYU's offensive line can maintain this type of dominance, why would we not expect a number at least close to that? Tyler Ogier last year, after he switched from linebacker, was 6.4 yards after contact, by the way. How about that? Lopini Coteau is 2.9. So Lopini is the one that I think will be uh, get a big bump. Is it sustainable? Probably not. A it, little a little. It's lower. about building downhill steam to get those yards after contact, right? And if the holes are big for uh, the running yep. backs or the offensive line. No P5s is a big deal. Everyone like this feeling? Momentum. Good. It's good, right? It's good. ACC coaches have unanimously approved a proposal for the 2021 NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament to include every college basketball team, 353 teams, Jerem. Is this a good idea? No, it's a terrible idea. Also, they're completely ignoring all the TV contracts that exist with the leagues and conference play and non-conference leading up to that. And to have that kind of tournament reminds me of a video that The Onion put out a couple years ago saying the bracket had expanded to 4,096 teams. (laughs) No, it's not a good idea. They already have an idea like this in place with conference tournaments. If you think about it, every team across the country, all 353 teams already have a shot to, one, get into the tournament and run the table to an NCAA championship. It's already set up this way. That's weird. The ACC, I think it's a weird move. Lindy Sports College Basketball previews out. It says BYU is finishing second in the WCC. Fair? Yes. Yes. 
And if you think BYU should be expected to finish lower, then I'm not sure what you've been watching during the Mark Pope era. I know uh, that all there's, of one year? there's been a, t- a lot of turnover. Well, I'm talking about all the offseason additions, Matt Harms, right. Transfer U. It just felt like it had been a long time. I was like, wait, it's been a year. Hey, Mark Pope has this program going in the right direction. BYU should be expected to finish second in the conference. Come on. The top three scores for St. Mary's are gone. In Jordan Ford, Malik Fitz, and Tanner Krebs. Enough said. Amen. All right, Jerem, on this day in BYU sports, the year 1999. BYU's top three, by the way, are gone as well. But BYU reloaded more than the same race. Yes. BYU to be fair. A seven-foot-one guy that's been to an Elite Eight and a Sweet 16. I thought he was seven. Is he, is he I seven, three? Seven, I thought he was seven, three, That's bro. right, seven, three. Woo. I was underselling it. On this day in BYU sports, the year is 1999. BYU opening the season against... Marcus Tuiasasopo and the Washington Huskies at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Kevin Federick and company doing work. Margin hooks. But it was the play to five foot nine Chris Hale that everybody will remember. 38-yard touchdown pass with 116 left in the game to seal a dramatic comeback win. The catch was Hale's first as a BYU Cougar. That's called breaking onto the scene, and here it is. Federick with the left hand. Just throw it up to the kid from Orem High. His 59th pass attempt of the game, by the way. 501 yards. Uh, Klein Stocky had two catches for 12 yards. Washington then drives down to the 20, by the way, and has a throw into the end zone, but Tuas Sopo throws it out of the end zone. Tuas Sopo was the interim head coach for Washington in 2013 against BYU in the Fight Hunger Bowl. So he got his revenge later as an interim head coach. And that Fight Hunger Bowl, uh, until what we think is recently, was the most watched game for BYU football and independence 3.7 million not bad not bad okay coming up who was the biggest winner from Monday's win at Navy and we go deep blue with BYU junior receiver Dax Milne how his family beat cancer and it's paying off for him not just on the football field but in life BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. After further review, there were a lot of highlights to review. <laughs> AFR is on demand right now. You can watch as Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, and David Nixon break down the incredible film from BYU's 55-3 win at Navy. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation and Studio B. BYU wide receiver Dax Milne. He's a junior, a former walk-on, and is well on his way to becoming a more appreciated member of the BYU football offense. You need to declare when he's properly appreciated. Okay. Like it is, it is now okay. official I can do that. appreciation level. Yeah. Dax has already helped the cause with multiple spectacular, unforgettable catches and a solid performance against Navy on Monday night. At the heart of this all... His family is what's driving him to compete for this type of success. This is Deep Blue featuring Dax Milne, presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. Dax is probably one of the quietest guys you'll meet. Has a big personality, but doesn't doesn't really show a lot through words. It's just through his example. Retains the playbook. He's tough. He's a guy that I could keep on the field every single play, and I know he'll he'll give it everything he has. It speaks a lot to his character. sit in the stands and to see him have such just wonderful moments like scoring touchdowns in ball games and against uh, USC and we're just you know brought us all the tears you know when you see those things happen touchdown Cougars 
I remember the game he showed up on the Jumbotron when he started on his, in his first game. And that was like a huge, big, big brother moment for me. Just to see the, all that harder payoff from all their time throwing together. And, and uh, I guess like the, you know, the video games helped out a little bit too. But. Remember when we played that uh, small like Nerf ball and we could just chuck it like... Oh, yeah. Probably wasn't that far though, because back I in the day. And you think back to when he was just five and six years old, wanting to play football. You know, and it was his dream. So to to see him live out his dream right now is it's 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 very fun and and, and exciting for the whole family. Darren and Jill, his mom and dad are are incredible people, and they've raised him right. And and. Uh, He's gone through a lot of adversity, you know, specifically with his mother and her encounter with, uh, with cancer. Yeah, I just feel like yesterday. I remember on the couch over there, you sat me and Dax down. I saw that serious sort of worried look on your face. I remember my heart kind of sank a little bit. She said, ah, I went to the doctor, and I just thought, like, oh, it was probably nothing. But then she said, I've been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, and... <clears throat> I ended up going in and having a colonoscopy and they were able to determine that I did in fact have a tumor in my colon. After the diagnosis, I, I, they went to do more, ex, more testing to see if it had spread and unfortunately it had gone into my uh, liver. It was hard, I think, for all of us. It was, it, it rocked, I think, everybody's world, I think, you know, and it's, it's a scary thing to know that, you know, when, you, when you're diagnosed with stage four cancer, you don't know what the outcome's going to be. And of course, you know, death is definitely a possibility at that point. So I think that was probably a very hard thing for them to process. I couldn't really dwell on it that heavy because I had, I had my freshman year of football going at BYU, and it was already a huge adjustment coming from high school. And there was a lot on my plate. I tried to put it in the back of my mind, but I know that's kind of bad to say, like, don't, like, not think your mom, but I try to, like, compartmentalize, like, have football, and then after football, just make sure she was okay. Once we got the diagnosis, and it was like, okay, what do we need to do? We can either do this, 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 and this, and you, you just did it without any reservation. But your your positive attitude has helped us. Your faith, your looking outward to to serve other people while you're going through this was such an example for us. Overall, she she handled it like it's like a champ. Probably get too emotional if I keep talking about her, but she's amazing the way she handled it, and I'm uh, so grateful that she's still here today. So. The fact that she's been able to beat it um, was no surprise to me. I think that's where uh, Dax probably attributes a lot of his toughness to. And anyone who, who, who's been through a battle of cancer or knows someone close who has, those are hard things to fight. And so um, I don't think there's any coincidence there in, in why Dax is so tough. You can't help but learn something and grow. And I think that's the whole point of us going through these types of things is to learn and grow. And that's why our Heavenly Father allows us to experience these things, that we're stronger than we think we are, that we can do hard things, that we can make it, we can do it. We are fighters. During that time when she went through that experience, that was when I really found my why in, 
in life and in football. My why is, is my mom. Hoping and praying that things will continue to go well and be good. Got a strong mama. Strong mama. Deep Blue, presented by Deseret First Credit Union. We're here to help on Dax Milne, the junior receiver. What a story. And, and what's incredible about this is America first, right? America first, correct. Yes. Now, what uh, what hap- What's crazy about this, Jerem, is when you when you dive into the BYU football team, you see the surface, and you're like, "Oh, great player, incredible athlete." They've all got these stories. That Everyone's we often got don't, a story. Don't know about story trek. That's the basis of this. Knock on random doors. Everyone has a story. Yeah, and you don't know what someone's going through and what the game means to them in, st- in terms of uh, escape, in terms of coping. Dax is a guy who. Uh, Frankly, you dealt with this. Your dad passed away last football season. That was a, a, a really hard thing for you, right? And we've we've explored that on the show. Dax's mom, you know, some people survive, some people don't, and and it's and it's hard uh, on on those players. Yet Dax has been able to grow as a person off the field. You can see the strength of his family and his life. His brother Dallin works here, by the way, as well. So we've seen the Milne family effect in person. Uh, and his mom, uh, his mom's a very strong person. Absolutely. And then on the field, you see a guy that uh, plays a big role for BYU as well. Six touches against Navy, three rushes, uh, nine yards carry, by the way, on those jet sweeps, and then three catches. So he is a big-time part of the BYU offense. Yeah, he's uh, a key cog in a lot of different things that BYU wants to do this year. Okay, coming up, the whole offensive line gets recognized. Let's drink some of that poison. And who was the biggest individual winner from BYU's performance against Navy? This is BYU Sports Nation. I think you were the winner. You went to the game. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation continues with your daily reminder. The show is available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Subscribe, rate, and please review. Uh, we're not going to finish the show without asking this gem of a question. Who was the biggest winner from Monday's BYU football victory against Navy? How about the biggest dudes? I think it was the offensive line. Because we talked about it starts in the middle of the field. If, if the offensive line can dominate and, and impose their will, it's going to open up, obviously, the run game, the pass game, play calling it's going to put a defense on its heels. It's going to put BYU's defense in a momentum situation. BYU took the lead and never gave it up five minutes into the game. I mean, the game-winning score was 4.53 in. So I, I think it was the offensive line. Kirk Herbstreit certainly helped shape some of the narrative nationally with what he says at times on game day and during games. Big-time praise, and why not for the BYU offensive line? It is because of that, the national perception of Jeff Grimes, that I think Grimey is the big winner. How many times was his name mentioned as, you know, the man who's leading the run-violent offense, and Jeff Grimes is just continually one step ahead of Navy's defense? His name was mentioned a lot, so I think he's the big winner on Monday night, and then he was rewarded as the Offensive Coordinator of the Week by Athlon Sports. So well-deserved credit for Jeff Grimes. The guy who's not mentioned, who I do want to throw into this, is Aaron Roderick. I mean, Aaron's in the box. He's low-key. He's quiet. But he's very heavily involved in the play calling it's the worst along kept with secret. Jeff Grimes. It's the worst-kept secret. No, Aaron Roderick deserves more, he deserves more credit 
Yeah, yeah, and, he really does. And let, let's be honest, it's the whole staff. There's one person who coordinates and calls the place, but Jeff Grimes would be the first to say, listen, I have valuable input for, from every member of the staff. From, with Steve Clark at tight end and Fesitaki at wide receiver and first-year running back coach, the quiet story, right? They were awesome. Harvey Young's first game as the official running backs coach. His running backs ran for 301 yards. It was amazing. Like, like as a team, uh, there were, you know, Zach and, and I guess Dax Mill and whatnot. But um, that, that was awesome. And the input of that staff. It is year three. And on Monday I said, what's the point of meeting in June if you can't get out quickly? And you have the same staff. You have the same quarterback. This is now Zach Wilson's. He had half of his freshman year all of last year uh, when he was healthy. Missed a couple games. And now this one. His, what, 16th game as a starter or 17th? I mean, why wouldn't they come out and have a quality showing in the sure. first one? But to have 55 points and to dominate the way they did was very surprising. I did not expect really to blow out Navy like that. I thought this was the toughest game on the schedule. It might have been the second easiest game yeah. on the schedule. And while you mentioned the year three, it, and I said this during the postgame, Aaron Roderick said this is a project three years in the making. That we have been building towards this now for three years, and we got to see some of the fruits of it. That's what I say to my wife with any outdoor project. This is a three-year <laughs> project. It's going to take time. You need to be patient. Okay. Our question of the day, do you believe BYU football will run the table? Oh, so much poison in that. <laughs> Our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at LJ Pearson 1 on Twitter. Pre-game, I still believed in the Cougar curse and decided to be happy with a close loss. <laughs> then the Titanic sailed with Navy aboard and crashed into the BYU iceberg. Oh, Sound boy. the blue goggle alert. We will win out. The blue goggle alert sounds like a cat in labor. <laughs> Today's Rise and Shoutouts presented by Mountain America Credit Union guiding you forward. Uh, the offensive line, sixth-year sports, put out a national team of the week by position. They gave the whole BYU offensive line... The spots from left tackle to right tackle. Solid. And speaking uh, more of the offensive line, Coach Eric Mateos tweeted out the following last night. He gets my rise and shout out. Locked up my top target last night. He's engaged to the fabulous Jillian Chav as an elite member of BYUSN. Congratulations. Fred Warner, by the way, activated off the COVID list. Let's go. Full of good news today. Our thanks to today's guests, Brady Christensen and the Milne family. Started Dennis better. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Ed Keel. BYU football with Kalani Satake up next. Go Cougs.